All right, grab your Bible this morning, however you're doing that, paper Bible or electronic Bible, and open it to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Well, we're in a series of messages entitled The Fishers of Men, and we have been talking about what it means to attract people to Jesus, that our life should attract someone to Jesus Christ. And we're also talking about how we can grow ourselves and learn how to be really good fishers of people. And we're attracting people and catching people for Jesus Christ. Well, in the process of this series of messages, we wanted to share some stories of individuals in our church and how they came to know Jesus. What was their story and, and how, what was their journey, their process of meeting Jesus Christ and, and discovering who Jesus is in their life? And so this morning, we're going to watch the story of Tim Kennedy. So let's watch the screen and see Tim's story. Uh, yeah, my name is Tim Kennedy. I'm a teacher at Cheney High School live here in Cheney, have a wife, been married for 14 years, three kids, all in elementary school. I've been going to Cheney Faith Center about three, four years now. So as a, as a young uh, churchgoer um, in my teenage years and getting into youth group, my parents did uh, say, yeah, we're going to church, and, and we went to church. Um, but uh, I did participate uh, in our youth program, um, really enjoyed that. It was, a, it was definitely a big part of and where I am today. One uh, youth group convention that, I mean, I felt the Holy Spirit just come over me, wash over me, and it was amazing. And honestly, it was at that point that I felt like a lot more attacks and bad choices were happening. So it's kind of weird that uh, here I, I had the, the blessing of feeling the Holy Spirit, and yet I still didn't choose that path. I still made poor choices and kind of walked um, a very dangerous line um, away from what I believed. Um, and so um, through that, I went down um, to Vancouver, um, trying to get away a little bit from here, um, and went to college down there. And the first thing we did was we found um, a Lutheran church. My parents helped me find that. And I went there pretty much every Sunday. Um, and. And even in some of those dark times, it was like that pastor was speaking directly to me. So during that time um, where, yes, I was going to church and um, still trying to hang on to that, but still making bad decisions, it was like there was a conflict, uh, like a constant war happening inside of me um, where I knew what I probably should be doing, but then I was doing something different. Um, but again, I just, I just kept going to church because I felt safe there. Um, it was very, it was very comforting for me to be there, um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really tough time in my life. So the process kind of for me where it started to change, um, definitely had some conversations with my parents, but I, I just wasn't managing um, down in Vancouver, and I needed to come back home. And my parents were more than supportive of that and encouraging me, and so I came back home. I started going back to church with them, and just started separating myself from situations where I could make a poor decision and um, just started living good and uh, honestly it was at this point that God brought me to my beautiful wife Ginger and that's where really it started turning for the better and so some of the next steps for our my faith journey I, I think started when my my oldest son was born and now all of a sudden um, I want to have 
a better opportunity for my child and honestly a smoother path than what I walked and so I definitely wanted to get him into um, the church and involved with other children and learning about Jesus and um, so Ginger and I we we found our way here to Cheney Faith Center and and here uh, it's great because we've joined up with a life team um, through that life team we um, we get together, we study the Word, um, our children are growing in Christ together and they play with each other and um, it's just um, a real safe place for our children now to learn about Jesus. So in, in this faith journey the thing that's really helped I think is reading through the Bible together and, and discussing the Bible. I can read a passage in the Bible and I can think one thing but then there's so many other viewpoints in the room that are picking up on little things and so just that sharing of how everyone takes what's happening in the Bible and we get to grow together in our faith. I mean I think back to my, my struggling years, you know, my faith was always strong. I always knew that Jesus was there and he was the only way to get to heaven. But what I wasn't doing is I was not arming myself with God's word. And here, not only am I arming myself with God's word in my life team, but I am strengthening that armor by growing constantly with each other. And at home, you know, it's life is busy. Um, you know, my wife and I both work. We have three kids. They're very active with school, sports, um, whatever. But we have... We, we definitely try and work through the Bible with our, our children. We have a little study guide that we work with them. And we're not consistent. We don't do it every night, um, but, but we do it. And, and the boys take turns reading from the Bible and um, just trying to do that. It, it's really big and important for me because one of the most important per people in my life um, was definitely my mom. Um, and as we would talk about Jesus, I, I still remember those talks. and. Um, just that discipleship that she bestowed onto me, I want to be this, do the same and just bestow it onto my own children. The life of Christ is not a walk in the park. Um, there's ups, there's downs, there's U-turns, whatever it might be. Um, but you just have to keep on the path and you have to keep praying for each other. Um, I know my parents prayed for me constantly. And, and through that, I can say that their prayers were answered because here I am as living proof that doesn't matter how far gone you are, you can always come back to the Lord. Tim's story is that no one is ever too far gone to come back to Christ, to be in relationship with Him. Did you notice also part of Tim's story today is he's discovered that his strength and his growth is found in a relational environment. Something that he does outside of Sunday morning that helps him grow and grow strong in Christ. And so I want to encourage you as we're launching our new life teams and different groups that are happening, jump into a relational environment this fall and watch your faith grow. Now, here's what else is great about Tim's story. Tim just did a five-minute video for us, and he shared his story. So now Tim has a great tool to be a fisher of men because he can tell someone about Jesus in five minutes. He can share his story, and he can tell them what Jesus did in them. So let me ask you a couple questions. What's your story? What would you say if you only had five minutes with someone? What would you share about your life and about what Jesus has done for you? I want to encourage you as we talk about being fishers of men and being people that attract people to Jesus and getting in spiritual conversations, that you figure out what you would do with your five minutes. 
and begin to regurgitate that in your mind and in your heart and begin to fill out your five-minute story so that you know what it means to live for Jesus. As we continue this discussion about being fishers of people, I want us to see a beautiful example of this. In Acts chapter 8, there's the story of Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. And there's several things in this story that I think are great for us today that will help us know how to become someone that is ready to share Jesus with someone else. So would you look at it with me? Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm going to read it from the New International Version this morning. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him, the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Could you turn to your neighbor and say, beam me up, Philip. If you're a Star Trek fan in the room, you might have thought when you first watched Star Trek, wow, beaming someone up is so cool. You didn't read Acts chapter 8, did you? God's been doing that for years. He's been beaming people around for years. I'm just waiting myself to be beamed somewhere for a day or two and then come back to Cheney. I want us to see several things in this text that I think are great tips for us to learn to share Jesus with people today. Here's the first one, and it's super important. In fact, if you don't get the first one right, it really doesn't matter what else you know or whatever you do. 
Here's the first one. Be open to the Holy Spirit using you. That's the first one. See, every day you and I have to wake up and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Send me. Whatever you want to do with me today, whoever you want me to share with, maybe it's a smile, maybe it's a spiritual conversation, maybe it's just a hello, whatever it might be. Maybe I'm supposed to just stop and pray for somebody, ask them if I can pray for their difficult day. Whatever it is, here's the amazing thing that we see in Philip's story and that can happen every single day in our lives too. And that is that the Holy Spirit wants to use you to help someone believe in Jesus. Isn't that good news? Now, here's what's amazing. Could God save every single one of us without the help of anyone else? Absolutely. He did it with the Apostle Paul, didn't he? In fact, the very next chapter, chapter nine, you could read about the Apostle Paul getting knocked off of a big horse because God showed up right in front of him. He didn't need anybody's help. He just saved Paul right in that moment. But here's what happens about 99.9% of the rest of the time. And that is that God wants to use you. And God wants to use you because he's in relationship with you. And he wants you to be on mission with Jesus. He wants you to understand the incredible blessing as well. The incredible blessing of helping someone change their eternity when they say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Now that's pretty awesome that you and I get to partner with the living God to change the attendance of heaven. That's good news. Now look at what Philip did. He was open to the Holy Spirit using him. In verse 26, it said that an angel said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. Now, I don't know what the Spirit might say to you today. He might say, go to work. I want you to share with your coworker. He might say, go to Sound Life Park. There's somebody hanging out on the bench there. I just want you to share Jesus with him. He might say anything, but here's the important thing. Did you notice what Philip did after the angel told him to go somewhere? He said, yes. He simply said, okay, yes, Lord. And he went on his way and he started walking down the road and he starts walking down the road and all of a sudden he comes in upon this caravan of Ethiopian travelers who have come to Jerusalem to worship God, but now are on their way back to Ethiopia. And the spirit says in verse 29, go to the chariot and stay near it. And Philip says, okay, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm open to what you're saying. See, here's what's interesting. The Holy Spirit was aware that this eunuch was searching for answers to some deep questions. The Holy Spirit had already been working in this eunuch's heart. I mean, he's not even from Israel. He, he, how did he even find out about God? Somehow he's become a worshiper of the living God and he's traveled all this way. The Holy Spirit is obviously doing something in his life. Maybe as he's been reading an Old Testament scroll, but he hasn't discovered who Jesus is yet. And Philip gets to open his eyes to Jesus Christ, his personal Savior and the Savior of the world. So he asked one of his willing disciples to go near the person that needed help, and the door was opened to Philip to walk through and present Jesus to this man. 
So if you and I are going to be fishers of men and we're going to share Jesus with the world, then the first thing we have to do is be open to the Holy Spirit using us. The second thing that is a really good idea and that we see here as well is ask a question. Ask a question. It's very true. People don't know how much you, or don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A question starts the caring part instead of telling somebody what you know. Now look at what happens here in verse 30. In verse 30, it says this. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asks this question. Do you understand what you are reading? Now this is important because does Philip understand what he's reading? Yes. Could Philip have said, oh, hey, sir, why don't I tell you what that means? Philip could have done that, but he didn't. He started instead with a question. And let's look at why he started with a question. It's important to start with a question because it opens that person up to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, let, let me say this. Sometimes you will hear people talking about God. And I don't think it actually matters how you hear them talking about God or what they are talking about. It's an opportunity for you to come in and start asking a question. For instance, somebody might even be talking about God in a negative way or a sarcastic way, but it still might be a good opportunity for you to engage in a discussion and bring some truth if you ask some questions. For instance, let me just give you a way out there one. I worked with a guy that was convinced that God's last name was Dammit. You know what I mean? And one day, probably out of my frustration of what he was always saying, I asked him, hey, Rick, how would you feel if I started calling you Rick and then attaching the F word on the back of it? Rick F. He goes, well, what are you talking about? Well, I'm just going to call you Rick F from now on. And he was like, well, no, I, I don't like that at all. So I asked him, well, how do you think that comment that you make about God is affecting your heart and your life? And he totally opened up to me about what he thought about God and Jesus and the Bible and everything. And I used a very negative, <laughs> sarcastic comment about God as I asked a question, he just wanted to talk to someone about spiritual things. I didn't even know how much he wanted to talk. It led to like a week-long conversation. We worked at Staples, and every time he came around me, he goes, I got another question. And I thought, all of this came from him thinking God's last name was Dammit. <laughs> and this great spiritual conversation we had for a long time. Unfortunately, it was towards the end of my work there, and I had to leave, and then I never figured out what happened with Rick. But here's what I know. The Holy Spirit's probably still working on it if he hasn't gotten saved already. Now, here's the point. Ask a question. And in particular, ask an open-ended question. There's two ways to ask a question. You can ask a closed question like, do you believe in God? No. End of conversation. Conversation's over. Or you can ask an open-ended question. What do you think about Jesus? Now they get to make a bunch of comments. Or what do you think about God? 
Now you can ask a bunch of questions. You can insert God into a situation in the world or, or anything. Just ask an open-ended question, a question that will not garner a yes or no answer. So before you ask, ask your question, think, if I ask the question this way, can they simply say yes or no and we're done? If that's true, then think of a different question and ask an open-ended question that will help you get into a good spiritual conversation or will lead to another good question or conversation on another day. Now, here's another thing that I think is great about asking questions. When you ask a question, uh, it, it also says to that person, I care about you. I care about what you think. I care about your ideas, even if they're not the same as mine. I just care about you as a person. Instead of just bantering off about what I know, my biblical knowledge of Isaiah the prophet, I can ask a question and then it can start a dialogue. Now, here's the really, really important part that I want to show you. After Philip asks a question, and he asks if, if he understands what he is reading, something happens incredible in verse 31. In verse 31, the last part of the verse, it says this about the eunuch. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here's the important part. When you and I ask good questions and get in good spiritual conversation, it invites people into their lives. They want to invite you into their life because you're not acting like you know it all. You're simply wanting to share Jesus with them in a great environment, in a great conversation. And you will get invited into people's lives and into more conversations when you're open to the Holy Spirit and you ask good questions. Which leads to the third thing that Philip did and that you and I need to do well is in, in the same way today. And that is talk about Jesus and his cross. Now, there is nothing coincidental about this story, is there? This is not a random happen chance thing where Philip is just uh, tripping down the road and falls down and all of a sudden looks up and here's a caravan of people and they have to, happen to be talking about God. That's not what happens. This is a divine moment. God's doing something very special right in this moment. But here's what Philip does. Philip uses his opportunity to talk about Jesus and the cross. It, this is amazing. This eunuch happens to be reading the quintessential Old Testament prophetical verse about Jesus Christ. This is not an accident. This is not an accident at all that this man is reading the verse about Jesus on the cross. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. This verse is a specific prophetic verse about what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. So G the door has been opened for Philip to share about the cross of Jesus Christ, to share about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and to share about everything that Philip got to see Jesus do as he walked around with Jesus for three years as a disciple. 
Now, this is extraordinary because Philip takes the opportunity to share Jesus, to talk about Jesus, and then share the good news. Verse 35 says, Then Philip began with this very passage of Scripture, the one about Jesus and the cross, and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip probably talked about Jesus telling his disciples about how he would die for all mankind to save us from our sins. He might have mentioned the power of the cross in our lives to forgive sin and make us right with God the Father. He would have had an opportunity to talk about God's love for all mankind as, and his amazing grace to leave heaven and come to earth and die for you and me. He could have shared about all of the miracles that Jesus did and all of the wonderful things that Philip saw Jesus do. See, when we get the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus, we need to be sure to share about Jesus' cross because the cross is the reason we have salvation. The cross sets us free and makes heaven possible. The cross is what gives you and I a new identity, a new life. We are changed completely. We don't have an identity crisis anymore. I know who I am in Christ. This is my identity. I am a child of the living God because my Savior died on a cross and set me free from the sting of death. Amen? Amen. The cross is the power for everyone. The cross is our strength for living today. So once we have been open to the Holy Spirit and we've asked some good spiritual questions and we've gotten into a spiritual conversation, we need to be sure to talk about Jesus and the cross, which leads to our last step. Help people take their next step. See, the last thing Philip did is he helped the eunuch take his next step of faith. And that was water baptism. See, after the eunuch believed in Jesus Christ and in the cross and in the resurrection, Philip got to take him down to this water and baptize him in Jesus Christ. Help the eunuch make a public declaration and say yes to Jesus. So help people take the next step. Now here's what's interesting. If you do a good historical study of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Ethiopia, here's what you will find. You will find buildings being erected to Jesus as early as the second century. Huh. How did the gospel of Jesus Christ get all the way to Ethiopia? I'll let you think about that question, even though I think you might know the answer already. Here's what's interesting. When we know someone that has said yes to Jesus, it doesn't end there. In fact, it's only the beginning. Ladies, let me ask you a question. When you went to the hospital and you gave birth to your first child and that child came out of you and it started crying and the nurse wrapped it up and put it on your chest, was your first thought, I think I'll leave this baby here. No, that was not your first thought. Your first thought was, I want to get out of the hospital. This food's awful. And I want to take my baby home. 
and I want to raise this child to love Jesus all the days of its life, right? That's what you were thinking. So when you have a friend that says yes to Jesus, why don't you disciple them? Why don't you take them home and invite them into your house once a week and have a meal with them and open the word with them and start discipling them because they are a spiritual baby. You've just had a spiritual baby. Your friend said yes to Jesus. Now you need to be the one to take care of them and help them learn how to live for Jesus and take the next steps in their life to honor him. Water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, tithing, reading God's word every day, serving in faith kids. Yes, I said serving in faith kids because we need to disciple the next generation. Amen. That someone that helps people take the next step is you. Would you stand with me? This is what it means to be a fisher of men. This is what it means to attract people to Jesus. And this is how we help people believe in Jesus and disciple them. We're open to the Holy Spirit. We ask good, open-ended questions to get into spiritual conversations. And then we talk about Jesus and the cross. And it doesn't stop there. We help them take their next steps in faith. Would you pray with me?